Thank you, Beryl. In this series in the autumn time, we've been revisiting our front lines, those places uh, where God has put us, where we can live for his glory. And we've been thinking about different ways in which we might, uh, different ways of which we might think about living for God's glory. It's been an exercise in stirring our imaginations and helping us to think creatively about our lives where God's put us. So there were six M's, we call them. Um, So far, we've dealt with the first five. We have been thinking about how we might model godly character, how we might make good work, minister grace and love, mold culture. And then last week, uh, Richie had us thinking about how we might um, be mouthpieces for truth and justice. So this morning, we come to the sixth and the last of these M's. Uh, We're going to think about being a messenger for the gospel. I've been really delighted that we've been able to do this series, uh, Fruitfulness in the Front Lines. The thing that I've loved about it is how it's shown us how multifaceted God's calling on us is. How it's not just talking to people about Jesus that God calls us to. That's not the limit of what he would love to have us do, what pleases God. It's been lovely to see all these other ways in which we can give honor to God and give glory to him in our lives. That's been great. I think it's been lovely to learn that, and I hope you and I will carry those lessons with us into the future. But I'm also glad today to come to this, to M6, this thinking about being messengers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, while, while it's true that the whole of our lives matter and that they can all be lived for God's glory, it's also true that sharing the gospel matters too. It's vital that we continue to grow as people who share our faith in Jesus Christ. Because of what we said in our first sermon in this series, we said that nothing matters more for any human being than to come into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Folks, the people on your front lines will be blessed as you increasingly live out the first five M's. But they also need to hear about Jesus, that he's the one who made the difference, that he's the only one who can make an eternal difference for them. If we didn't say this, we wouldn't be doing justice to the life and teaching of Jesus Christ because he said things about himself that, that require us to, to share his message. He said, for example, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. So people need to know that and need to understand that. Jesus died so that people could come to know him. And Paul says very memorably, I think, in that passage which Beryl read for us a moment ago, how can people hear or believe in the one of whom they have not heard? It's hard to argue with that logic. People can't embrace the Jesus Christ whom they know nothing about, who they haven't heard anything about. So he insisted, Paul did, that people needed to hear about Jesus. So our question this morning is how can we grow as messengers of the gospel. Now, I don't want to charge in here, oblivious. I'm not imagining that you're all saying, great, 
This is just what I'd love to hear because it's just what I want to do. I just want to get out there and tell people about Jesus. That's, that's what I love doing and I want to do more of it. So Christoph, encourage us and tell us how. Um, I suspect that's not how we're all thinking. Mark Green, in, in the book that we've been uh, using that's encouraged us in this series, he says, evangelism is like a trip to the dentist. We know we're meant to go, and we know we're meant to open our mouths, but we're afraid of what will happen when we do, and we're fearful of the unpleasant, painful things that might go on. So given the choice between talking about Jesus and going to the dentist, uh, sorry for the dentists in the, the room, most of us would rather go to the dentist for root canal treatment than talk about Jesus. Why is that? It seems to me it's probably because we've distorted what evangelism for the average Christian in their average everyday lives could and should look like. Reading God's word, I've come to the conclusion that God doesn't need me or you to be the next Billy Graham to fill stadiums or to stand on street corners telling people we don't know that they, they need to stop in their tracks, repent, and accept Jesus Christ. What he wants, what God wants from us, is to be willing to give a reason for the hope that we have. That's how Peter put it in his first letter, chapter 3. In this letter, Peter's telling a bunch of Christian people, not that they need to be stadium-filling evangelists, not that they need to be wonderfully persuasive, atheist-debating apologists, but rather, they need to be ordinary, everyday people who can talk about the difference God has made in their lives. Think about that for a second. Do you see how 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 can help us make sense of this whole fruitfulness in the Frontline series? Peter's encouraging us to be ready to talk about our faith in Jesus whenever people ask us or show an interest in, in the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. He's re- asking us to be ready to be messengers of the gospel. In effect, he's saying, be ready to do a bit of M6. Question, when are people likely to ask questions or to show any interest in the lives that we're living or in the gospel that we share? Isn't it when our lives are bearing fruit for God in the way that we've been thinking about with the first five M's. It's when we're modeling godly character, when we're doing good work, when we're ministering grace and love, when we're molding healthy culture, when we're speaking up for truth and justice. I got a chance to hear back Richie's sermon last week. I wasn't here. And I just imagined to myself, well, if that kind of thing was going on, if we were the people who were courageously confronting some of the corruption, some of the, some of the wrong stuff in some of the communities where we find ourselves, I could easily imagine that opening the door for conversations. These things are related. One of the things that we worried about before we started this series was if we have 
these six M's and only one of them is evangelism or sharing the good news, does the other five somehow diminish the sixth? Does it make it look like sharing the good news isn't that important because it's only one part of what God calls us to? Could it be that actually we'd have a a negative impact on our, our outreach and evangelism by thinking about these six fives or six M's? My hope was that actually something different would happen. That as we saw all the opportunities we had to live for God's glory, as we prayed that he would help us to do that, it would open more doors, start more conversations, give us more opportunities to share faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, something we often forget when we think uh, come to think of evangelism, I, I would really suffer with this myself. God is already at work. What I tend to do is I think, oh goodness, I haven't, I haven't spoken to anybody about Jesus. I better do something. Or the church hasn't done enough evangelistic programs. It's time I did something or we got a committee together. God's at work. And I think we can base our efforts to share the good news of Jesus on three safe assumptions. God wants people saved. God is the lead evangelist. Not you, not me, not the DVD. He is. And the third thing, yeah, he's invited us to join in, to play our part. God's always at work. He's always blowing by his spirit through the communities that we're a part of. He's working in people's lives in ways that you and I don't know and actually will never really know. So we're not starting anything here. We're not the catalysts. All we do is join in with God and his work. I'm going to spend the rest of our time trying to give you a bit of encouragement of how we could share our faith. When I say give you, I mean give us. Because I am not a gifted, natural, or successful personal sharer of Christian faith. I struggle with this too when you take me out of the role that I play as a minister. I want to suggest two things that we might do. Pray and take the next step pray. Let's begin with prayer. If we want to share the message of Jesus with people, the best thing that we can do is to start to pray for them. By the way, and I found this hard, I was preparing this and I was thinking, who am I trying to reach these days? I have nobody particular in mind. Maybe we need to start by praying and asking God to show us who we might have in mind. I've done that a little bit the last few days of this week, and God's brought two people to my mind whom I might be just a wee bit more aware of. Here's a a prayer that we might try to pray. Lord, is there someone whose salvation you want me to be particularly concerned about? Please show me. Lord, 
Is there someone whose salvation you'd like me to be particularly concerned about? Please show me. In a moment, I'm actually going to pause speaking for a second and give you a moment to pray that and to see if God brings somebody to mind whom you can hold in your mind's eye for the rest of of my presentation for the last few moments. By the way, if you're somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, why don't you pray the other half of that prayer? Pray that Jesus might bring you somebody. If you're keen to meet him, pray that Jesus might bring someone across your path who could share Jesus with you. Let's take a moment just now while the wind beats down and the rain to see if the Lord would bring somebody to mind. I won't make this long, but let's see. Let's pray this prayer for a moment. Father God, you've heard these are prayers and we know that you will answer them. If not just now, then soon as we keep praying them. Amen. Folks, if somebody came to your mind, that's great. Hold them in your mind's eye while I speak. But if if nobody came to your mind, just don't panic. Keep praying. Keep this idea before you. The Lord will will bring somebody to mind soon enough. Folks, if we're praying for somebody to find new life in Jesus Christ, then here's a thing that, that I think I've under, under not, I was going to say under-understood, not understood as much as I would have liked in my life so far. If I'm praying for somebody that they might get to know Jesus Christ, I should want to get to know them, to get to know that person. So that they're not a name on a page, not an object, somebody whom I objectify that I'm going to stick a bit of Jesus stuff on. No, they're, they're a real living person whose lives I want to understand, who I want to engage with. So let's get to know, allow these folks whom we love, who are dear to us, to become alive to us. There are some questions we might ask ourselves um, as we get to know them a little bit better. Don't don't worry about trying to remember these or write them down. I've got a wee handout uh, that I printed 50 copies of. It's lying out there in the vestibule. You can have a look at it uh, later. Pick it up on your way out. What, What stage of life are they at? What family stage? What is their family? What life stage? What occupation? Folks, most of the time I worked in the accounting firm where I worked, I worked with a team of a small team of only about a dozen people, and I'm embarrassed to say I hardly know anything about their family life. I didn't take the time. I didn't think that was important. If I had my chance again, I'd ask a lot more questions. I'd say, I want to know who you are. I don't want to work with you day after day after day and know nothing about you other than you take milk in your coffee? 
What about knowing people's hobbies, enthusiasms, their interests? What are their goals and their hopes and their dreams? I don't think you know anybody until you know what they dream about. What about their beliefs? What do they think of Christianity? Do we know that? Or do we just run with our own assumptions? I think Ulster's a really fascinating place to have this conversation nowadays because it seems to me we're in between generations. There, there are certainly a lot of people growing up who don't know Jesus and haven't been around churches very much. But a lot of adult people in the culture at the moment have had some experience of being around a church or a church-based youth group. What did they think of that? Do we know? be interesting to know, wouldn't it? Take time to hear their story like that. What particular blessings could you pray for them? What particularly do you like about them? What, what frustrates you about them? What might help you to serve them or to build better relationships with them? Cast your mind back on the previous five M's and see, are, are there any of these that, that would be particularly pertinent as I engage with this, this person? As I say, there's a sheet with those questions out there in the vestibule. I, I think it's a really helpful thing to do to hold that family member or that colleague in our mind's eye and, and really to, to get to know them, to pray for them. Folks, I think if we're willing to get to know people in this way, to pray for them, we can expect to see God giving us opportunities to share our faith on our front lines. So the first thing we can do is we can pray if we want to grow as messengers of the gospel. But eventually we'll we'll want to do more. We'll have this sense that we'd love to say something, at least sometime, to be able to talk about Jesus. We feel we should, but most of us feel unable to. I've been trying to work out why this is. It seems to me it's probably because we try to get from A to Z in one go. A is, I don't ever say anything about my Christian faith. And Z is, I'm the kind of person who can speak to anybody, just stop them in their tracks, tell them how to become a Christian, and invite them to pray and become a Christian there and then. And we think, I can do A to Z. If I'm not doing A, I, I need to jump to Z. Folks, is it, listen, I don't want to rule that out. God can do that. He can turn you into Billy Graham if he wants. Experience tells me that it's more likely that he'll take us a small step. So I I thought I'd try and share a few simple next steps of faith. Here's a series of steps that Tim Keller suggested to the members of his congregation, people who wanted to grow as messengers of the gospel. I like it. Because I think nearly everybody could get onto this, get, get onto this ladder um, and take the next step. Uh, let, let me show it to you here. There are, I think, 11 of these steps. So I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on one or two of them. I'm not, don't panic. I'm not elaborating on all of them. First step let others know about your Christian faith in natural ways. This is the one that I couldn't do when I was in secondary school, right? What did you do at the weekend? And I couldn't get out the words, I went to church. I couldn't, you know. No, I couldn't do it. They were stuck. They wouldn't come out because I thought it was 
not the sort of thing that I wanted to say. I, I had an interesting experience of this this week. Because I was preparing this, see, preparing these talks, it's bad news because you have to do stuff sometimes or you feel like a total fraud. So I was preparing this talk, writing this sermon, and I had a chance to put this one into practice because I was going to the dentist. I arrived on Wednesday morning and it went like this. I knew I was going for a filling, so everything I said earlier about going to the dentist totally was, was in play. So I arrived, she says, right, lie back in the chair, um, she's, she reaches for her big long needle and she says, you know, um, um, what is it she says? I'm going to freeze you a bit. You'll feel a wee scratch. What do they teach these guys in dentist school? Sticking a needle into somebody's gum is not a scratch. That's, that's I'm sure, a form of torture. So she takes the needle, sticks it into my gum, pushes, and the, the numbing starts. And then she said, this is going to take a few minutes to work. And I knew, flip, right? I'm lying here staring at the ceiling. I'm, a, I'm going numb. And I know that I, I, I'm supposed to let people know that I'm a Christian. So, so I was thinking, well, what will I do? And then I thought, well, funny, I've been thinking about the dentist this week because I read that illustration. So I, I told her, listen, I was, I was thinking about coming here this week. I was preparing my talk for church on Sunday. I'm going to be talking to the guys in church about sharing their faith. And I read this, this illustration. It was good crack because it was, it was about coming to the dentist. And it said, you know, sharing your faith's a hard thing to do. We, we're afraid of it. We're afraid of opening our mouths, afraid of bad things are going to happen. It's a lot like coming to the dentist. And she fell down on her knees and she said, how can I... Do you not believe? No, she didn't. So what happened? I let this woman who's been had the curse of looking into my mouth, I let this woman know that I follow Jesus, that I struggle with aspects of that, that I don't find it easy to push Christian faith on people. I let her know that there's a bunch of us who are actually thinking about things like that. And, and that's about it. Step one, let somebody know about your faith. Step two, ask questions about their beliefs. You ever wondered, have you ever realized, and I'm only coming to this, that evangelism might need a heck of a lot more listening than talking? From experience, I'm beginning to see that people don't open up when somebody talks at them. But people do open up when they're listened to. Tell us your story. You've heard that I go to church, that I believe. Do you believe anything? What do you believe? Describe briefly, uh, third step, describe briefly and naturally some process where you dealt with a difficult personal problem and your faith was a help to you. I think this is a, a lovely one. Because it's a way of showing that because I'm a Christian, my life's not perfect. It's a way of showing that I struggle. I, I've already alluded to this. I, was, I, I failed miserably to share my faith on the workplace front line during the years I was in that Coopers and Library small team of a dozen people. One of the few glimpses 
one of the few moments of light along the way came when, when my life fell apart. A long-term relationship that I'd been a, a part of um, had ended, and I couldn't try as I might. I could not hide my heartache. And if you are in one of those corporate environments, you'll know that any form of vulnerability, there's an alarm that goes off. Somebody's at less than 100% confidence. And and all of a sudden, people start talking. I found that was probably the time when I most succeeded in showing a human face and also saying a few words about the difference Jesus Christ makes in my life. What else can we do? We can offer to pray for a friend. We can offer to share our story, our spiritual narrative. We can offer books or recordings. It's getting easier to do that. It's not hard to offer somebody uh, an MP3, tell them about a podcast. It's easier maybe than listening to a book. Just start to share stuff with people. You'll notice as we're going on here that we're going higher up a ladder. You could start a conversation, initiate a discussion about a friend's biggest problem or their objections to Christianity. Then the next thing we could do is invite friends to venues where they meet believers but don't necessarily hear a gospel communication. Yes, you can invite people to gospel meetings, but you can also invite them first just to meet some of your Christian friends. Some of our discipleship groups have found ways of doing this. The street party I mentioned recently. People in that street will have known that they met with a group of Christians, but they maybe didn't hear a big presentation. You can offer to read a part of the Bible with somebody. You can invite people to places where they will hear the gospel. Or you could, number 11, learn how to share the good news of Jesus and invite a friend to accept him and follow him. Folks, number 11 is fabulous. It'd be brilliant if 250 of us here were all able to to do that, but we can't. I can't. But I think I can do a bit more of number one and number two and see if the Lord takes me to number three and four and what he does with me. Folks, that list, I've found it extraordinarily helpful ever since I've seen it. I've printed out 50 copies of it. Uh, both of the things I've mentioned are on one side of a, an, an A4, or on, on either side of an A4 page. There are 50 copies out there. If more than 50 of you take it, we'll print up more and have them available next week. I'm going to finish. A couple of weeks ago, when we were thinking about how a Christian can live for God, how they can mold culture, I told you about Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager. And his quotation, which I love so much, I like the room to be a better place when I walk in. It's normal. I'm a Christian. I thought I'd finish this morning with another Jurgen Klopp quotation, but it's not mine. It's one that a member of the congregation sent me, actually before I'd uh, even mentioned him. Here's what he said. To be a believer, but not to want to talk about it. I do not know how it would work. 
Wow. If anyone asks me about my faith, I give information. Not because I claim to be any sort of missionary, but when I look at me and my life, and I take time for that every day, I feel that I'm in sensationally good hands. The clearer we are about that, the more we're knowing that sensationally good pair of hands that we're in, knowing God's love, his closeness, his presence, the more I think he could start to use us, build us up, give us courage. Folks, that's, that's us done for today. Trust God. He's already at work. Pray and look for the next step. And if you don't get any opportunities to do any of that this week, there's good news too. Keep doing the other five things we've talked about. Keep bearing fruit, and those opportunities will come. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we are in sensationally good hands. Help us to take time each day to remember that, to remember ourselves as your sons and daughters, recipients of your grace. Lord, help us not to fear. Help us to put this behind us once and for all, this idea that we can't say anything about you or for Jesus. Help us to put that behind us. Help us instead to ask a question, what, what person, Lord, are you calling me to and what step could I take? Make those our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.